Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So, are y'all ready for the word? Anybody hungry today? All right, good. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs. We're going to today and, and next Sunday. Um, I'm going to title this message, Ageless Wisdom for All Ages. Ageless Wisdom for All Ages. That's what I love about the wisdom of God. It's for all ages, men, women, and children, old and young. And it is able to speak to us at the level we are at. But always never leave us at the level we are at, but always bring us up to mature us, to grow us into the knowledge of our God. And it's this wisdom that God gives to us. He calls, he gives us this invitation in the book of James, and he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and does not reproach. In other words, or does not rebuke, one, one version says, so God's, God gives you wisdom liberally, gives it freely to anyone who will ask. Let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. So you ask, believing that that's what you're going to get. You're going to get the wisdom of God, and he gives it freely. Don't you love that? He just says, all you got to do is that, and it's, it's free to you, without rebuke. Now, what that means is God doesn't go, well, I thought, <clears throat> I was wondering when you were going to ask. About the time you tired of banging your head on the same wall, you tired of dealing with the same problem, finally you come to me. Well, it's about time. See, he didn't act like us. <laughs> right? What's the thing that we do with our kids? I mean, we, I don't think any of you do, probably other people that go to other churches, but because you're all perfect. But I mean, like, you know, you tell them not to do something, they do something, you know, and it causes injury to them. What's the first thing we do? I told you so. What do we do? We rebuke them. Right? Thank God. God's better than us. Huh? He doesn't do that with us. He just gives it. He just gives it freely. Gives it liberally. I love that. That makes me want to be a better man when I read scriptures like that. It makes me want to change the way I am and just be better. Huh? Be a better dad. Be a better husband. Just be a better man overall. But before we, we get into this, I want to give you some... I, since it's tis the season, I read this and I thought maybe it would help some of you. All I need to know about life, I learned from a snowman. The first bit of wisdom from the snowman is it's okay if you're a little bottom heavy. <laughs> How about to hold your ground even when the heat is on? We're all made up of mostly water. You know you've made it when they wrote a song about you. Accessorize, accessorize, accessorize. Avoid the yellow snow. Don't get too much sun. And there's no stopping you once you're on a roll. <laughs> All right. I love the book of Proverbs. It's a book that reveals the wisdom of God to us. And virtually every verse in it is a little sermon. It's a book of comparisons. We see the foolish versus the wise or the wicked versus the righteous in many ways. But we see a lot of wisdom coming from a father to a son as well. And for those aged as well, for the wise man to continue 
to learn. Even though he is already wise, yet there is still more learning. In Proverbs chapter 1, opens up in verse 1, it says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we're going to walk through some different verses in Proverbs and and find these bits of wisdom for our lives. Because here's what I want to see happen for you this year. That however 2016 has ended up for you up to this point, I want you to finish this year strong. All right? To not just not just be ready to already turn the page. Okay, come on, 2017. I need that reset button. Now finish this thing strong. All right? You can. You can. I mean, you might be weary right now. Maybe this year has, has not been all that favorable to you. Maybe you've incurred some things and, you know, had some surprises along the way and suffered some loss and some difficulties. But I'm here to tell you, you can still finish this thing strong, all right? Because God's on your side. God is with you and he's in the fight with you. And if you'll, if you'll just look to him, you will win. You will overcome. The scripture says those that wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and they'll not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Amen. So I just want to encourage you with the word of God. Let this word just breathe fresh wind into your life, fresh strength into your soul, into your spirit, and to, to help you to end this year with an exclamation point instead of a sigh. Yeah. Huh? Amen. Amen. Paul said it like this in Galatians, do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. Amen. So don't lose heart. God is still on the throne. Jesus is Lord. And the Cowboys are 10 and 1. All right. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 says this. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Do not forget my law. But let your heart keep or to guard my commands. Don't forget it. Remember the word of the Lord. Remember his goodness in your life. Remember what God has done. Remember what he has spoken. Remember what God has promised you. All right? Because there are things in this life that are going to sully that from time to time. They're going to, they're going to dim that light. Circumstances, things in front of your face things that, that happen in life, and, and you're going to have to remember the word of the Lord. And the way that you're going to remember it is you're going to recall it with your mouth. Yeah. Open your mouth and say what God has said in the midst of those dark circumstances. And he says, don't forget, let your heart keep my commands. That, that's the only thing you need to keep in your heart. Now watch this. Look, look at the promise that comes along with it. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Wow, that's an amazing promise, isn't it? Length of days, long life. It sounds like that's a redundant statement, but it's not. It's talking about what God can do in a day and what God can do in a lifetime. All right? 
as specific as a day, length of days. You know, you've, you've had that day where you ran out of day before you were done. And you had things to do, and now you've just added to tomorrow's list of more things to do because you ran out of day. But this says God's going to give you length of days where each day will be satisfying. Each day will be a sense of accomplishment, right? And in that also, those days making up a long life for you. It is God's will that you live a long life. I believe that. Now, not everybody does, but I do believe it's God's will. Why would he promise that to us if it wasn't what he wanted for us? All right? That is his, that is his will. You know, God told Abraham, and, and, and it's exactly what happened to Abraham. He says, you, as for you, you're going to die at a good old age. You don't have to die at a decrepit old age. You don't have to die at the disease old, old age. You can just die at a good old age. Go to sleep, an old healthy person, and wake up in heaven. Amen. Amen. And he's given us this word to look to, this promise to look to, for anybody who will simply want it, simply who want to receive it. But I, you know, I was telling the earlier service, I said, I, I like the idea of having long life, but I also want my friends and family to live long too. What's the point of having long life if everybody I know is dead? I need them in this with me. <laughs> but it says length of days, long life, and peace, and peace. Listen to Proverbs chapter 4. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Again, it's saying, keep, keep, stay in the environment of the Word of God. This is the promise for that. For they are life to those who find them and health to 75% of their flesh. Hmm? All their flesh. Hmm? Maybe not all your flesh is experiencing that health that the Word of God brings, huh? Wherever that is, whatever that, if you can just put your hand on some place that is, is having difficulty in health, just do that right now, all right? And just say this with me, by His stripes, I am healed. Hmm? You speak the Word of God. It is life to those who find and health to all their flesh. I love that because the Word of God is not just relevant for us in the spirit realm. It's relevant for us right here in this flesh to affect our very being, our very existence here on the earth. Amen. Length of days, long life, and peace. So peace is the final promise that's mentioned here. I love this word, shalom. It's, it's a great word. I also like the Greek word, erene, but I like this word, shalom. It means completeness, safety, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, and quiet. Isn't that beautiful? This is a promise to you who will remember the word of the Lord and keep his word in your heart. Peace that surpasses all understanding is able to guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And when you're faced with difficulties and fear-producing situations, remember that God gives you peace and thank him for that. That's what the scripture says. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything, but do it with thanksgiving. Offer up your request to God with thanksgiving. And this is what happens. The peace of God will come in and it will guard your heart. It will guard your mind. Amen. You, when, when there's no reason, there's no logical reason for you to be at peace, and yet you have peace. Because right there in that moment, God is there with you. He's on your side. Amen. Though you may not know what to do, you belong to the one who does know what to do. So keep it there. All of these promises are realized by the one who continually remembers what God has said and believes his word. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, 
hearts, for out of it spring the issues of life. Everything is about that heart. That's your central believing system. And in there, the scripture says, out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. So everything, whatever is in your heart is everything to your life. And, and this verse admonishes us all to guard and to keep our hearts. There are many things in this world, in relationships, in things that are vying for our hearts. And we must understand how vital this truth is for our lives. Just off the shore of uh, North Carolina, uh, on the island of, of Cape Hatteras, is a village there known as Nags Head. Has anybody here ever been to Nags Head? You have. You've been to Nags Head. Wow. They're from Nags Head? Your family's from Nags Head? Really? So you might know this story then. You know about the wreckers in Nags Head? Okay. Well, you're about to learn something new about your hometown. It's a, uh, and back in the 1800s, uh, these wreckers lived. And these wreckers, they made their living gathering up parts uh, and cargo from ships that had run aground uh, there in the night. But the thing was, those ships did not run aground there accidentally. These wreckers had a system set up where they took a, a lit lantern and they attached it to the head of an old nag. And that's not some mean old woman. That is a horse, all right? And they... And they would, they would lead that horse uh, up and down, back and forth on the edge of the Diamond Shoals Beach. And uh, the ships out at sea would mistake that bobbling lantern as another ship that, that they deemed had found safety there. And so then they, in turn, would turn and head in only to run aground on the rocks there. And that ship being crippled left the crew at a disadvantage where these wreckers would come in and they would pillage that ship and take all the stuff off of it. As a matter of fact, even to this day, you can see some old homes there that are furnished with and partly built by some of the old parts of the ships and things like that. 2,300 ships, as a matter of fact, were taken by these wreckers through the years, ultimately destroyed. You must guard and you must keep your heart because there is all kinds of opportunities if, especially if you're looking for them, you'll find them. But they're out there, opportunities for you to stumble, opportunities for you to get offended, opportunities for you to, to, to become bitter. Yeah. And those things, those feelings of that reasoning that you have to justify the ill feelings that you have toward this person or about this situation because it did not go to your advantage because maybe they took advantage of you or maybe, or maybe they did you wrong and some injustice happened in your life. And so it's easy to reason out and to justify why you feel the way you feel about them and or about it. But the Bible doesn't allow you that luxury, my family. If you're a child of God, you're not allowed that luxury to just wallow in self-pity and to wallow in bitterness or to justify your stance. We have a command from God to forgive. And the greatest thing that you can do is to be quick to forgive. I didn't say that you're going to feel forgiveness initially. You have to choose forgiveness. Your feelings will line up with your choice eventually. <laughs> huh? But you're going to have to guard your heart. 
You've got to keep it. You've got a life to live. You've got a future you're going into. And you cannot afford a person or a situation to rob you of the joy that's coming to you, of the future that's afforded you by God, who came to give you both a future and a hope. Great peace, the Scripture says, have those who love your word and nothing shall offend them. Another way you can guard your heart is to believe the best in people. Don't assume that they've got ulterior motives all the time. Don't assume that someone's out for your evil. They might be, but don't assume that. Amen. That might take a little extra effort for some of you. Hmm? Just assume everybody likes you until they prove otherwise. Hmm? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Who are you living for after all? Men or God? Live to please God. Live for Him. Let Him fill you with His joy and His peace, despite what men do or or how situations turn out for you. Your God's with you. Amen. Guard your heart. Because this is where all of your faith is known from. Proverbs 10, 22. Let's look at this one. This is good. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Oh, that's awesome. I like that blessing because the word sorrow means toil or labor, which means that you can't perform for this blessing. You have to receive this blessing. God's not saying, I'll do this if you'll work hard, if you'll toil, if you'll labor for a bit, then you'll prove yourself to me, then I'll bless you with blessing that will make you rich. Now, this was not conditional like so many other of the blessings that come through the law of Moses. The law of Moses is if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad, right? There's a reward for whatever you do. But this says that the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and there's no toil. There's no, it's unconditional. The only way that you can have it activated in your life is to simply receive it by faith. Hmm? Isn't that how you got saved in the first place? Huh? You received his grace by faith. That was, that's all you could do. Jesus did all the work. He said, I did all the work. There's no work on your part. Not of works, lest any man should boast. This blessing comes to you because I want you to have it. Now, will you believe it? Blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You cannot earn this blessing. You have to just receive it. I like this time of year because this is the time for gift giving, isn't it? We, have, we give special attention to this. Now, we as Christians are always givers. Hmm? We give because that's our nature to give. We give because that's God's nature to give. God so loved that he gave. Right? And so because we love, we're natural givers. Amen. We give. And so this, this, this time of the year is just, just another part of our lives. But this is real. I, I love this time of year because a lot of people become more, they just tend to be more generous during this time of year, tend to, to, to give each other a break a little more often. Amen. Isn't it interesting that tied to gift giving is also joy and cheer? All of those things are so closely knit together that isn't it, isn't it a wonder, what if we gave all the time? I wonder how happy we'd all be if we just decided we were going to give all the time. But this came to us because God gave us a gift. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But I'm afraid we've been robbed a little bit of this truth of unconditional blessing, of unconditional giving. And it comes through, and I I love the whole story of Santa Claus and all that. But somewhere along the way, the whole purpose of Santa Claus got lost. 
I mean, this is based on an actual man who was a very benevolent man, a giving man who took care of the less fortunate. But, and so it's, it's come into this figure now that Santa Claus is not only jolly and fat and wants your milk and cookies and, and is coming to your house tonight, <clears throat> but he has a list and he's checking it twice and he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. So you better watch out and you better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Whoa. <laughs> so the gifts are predicated upon my behavior then. If I'm good, then I'll get gifts. If I'm bad, I'll get coal. See, robbed of that whole unconditional thing of giving and receiving. I mean, come on. All the other times of year, we're earning. Christmas is not, it's, it's completely separate. It's completely opposite of that. It's just we're giving because we love each other. We love our kids. We love our friends. We love our pastor. And so we, we give, we give gifts, not because, not because they perform well for us and not because Santa Claus, the, the great judge from the North Pole, is coming to get them. It's because, it's because God gave us the greatest gift. Yes. Amen. Knowing that we could not perform well enough for this gift. We couldn't earn Jesus. He gave him to us freely. He who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Isn't that wonderful? If God will give you Jesus, he'll give you anything. God told Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. We know that Abraham was rich in cattle and silver and in gold. God not only wants you blessed spiritually, but he also wants you blessed in the natural as well. And, and, and a, a life that is attached to God is a life that is blessed, no doubt about it. And the blessing, the riches that God brings to you, there are no sorrow. There is no sorrow in it. There's no pain in it because, because a lot of people get rich by painful means. They get rich by cutting corners. They get rich by cheating the system. They get rich by stepping on other people's heads to get to the top. And so in the end, they find out it really wasn't worth it. But when God makes you rich, there's no sorrow in it. Let me show you another thing, and I'll finish with this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. I love this. The generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul, and he who waters will also be watered himself, which means if you're generous, you'll always be taken care of, and you'll never lack one day of your life. There's a man by the name of Wayne Myers. Uh, you've heard me talk about him before. There's an auditorium at Christ for the Nations that I'm honored to teach actually a class in that auditorium, the Wayne Myers Auditorium. And it's named after Wayne Myers. He's been a missionary in Mexico for a hundred years. I mean, the guy's been around a long time. But he's a giver. He's really known for giving. And every year he comes to Christ for the Nations and he teaches on giving. And he challenges the students to give. He says, don't give 
just because you have something to give. Give something that hurts to give. Because he taught me this. I can remember when I was 19 years old sitting and listening to him. And this, this phrase, this statement changed my life. It really did. He says, if you can't, if there's something in your life, you have something that you cannot give away, you no longer own it. It owns you. And that changed my whole perspective. That nothing is worth holding on to if God wants me to give it away. There's no thing that's worth having. It's, there's no value. And so he challenged us in that way. And, but he and his wife, many years ago, decades ago, made a vow. They challenged themselves that every day of their lives, from that day forward until today, he's in his 90s now, they would give a monetary gift every day of their lives. And they have fulfilled that vow since then. Every day, they've given money to someone. Every day of their lives extraordinary. And somebody told him, Wayne Myers, you're crazy for doing that. You'll go broke doing that. He said, I was broke when I started and I haven't been broke since. The generosity, a generous person is not one who gives of, as Raphael said, of a grudging obligation. It's a glorious obsession to give. They calculate, they premeditate giving before it even starts. They don't just wait for an opportunity. They look for the opportunity. Amen. They don't give out of compulsion. They don't give because, oh man, somebody showed a really sad video and so I, that, that manipulated me to do something. I feel bad if I don't. No, they just look for the opportunities. It's a, as, the, as Paul said, God loves a cheerful giver. That is somebody that's ready, that's prompt to act right now without hesitation. Generosity transcends obligation. It's not calculating amounts. It's not thinking amounts. That's not how generosity works. It's not, it's, it can't be measured that way. I like Isaiah says, but a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. It's thinking about the generosity of a man who fought in World War II for our country by the name of Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss um, was, he volunteered. He was from Indiana, or, was, or Virginia, Virginia, and Desmond Doss volunteered uh, to go into the military of his own doing. And when he entered, when he got into basic training, he showed that he was very athletic and um, was, was one of the top in that way. But then it was time for them to train on their rifles. And that's where he had to take a stand because he had a personal conviction about carrying a gun. And he said he didn't, would never touch a gun, would not hold a rifle. And so then he was brought before uh, his superior officer and said, what is this that I hear about you not wanting to shoot a gun? You're in the army. You, soldiers fight. We use guns. And he said, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. I, I, I made a vow to God that I wouldn't do that. He said, but I can serve my country. I want to be a medic. While all these other guys are taking lives with their guns, and I understand that needs to happen, I want to help put some lives together. I want to help save lives. Shouldn't we have both things in war? And he was called a CO, otherwise known as a conscientious objector. And they tried to get him thrown out. He got beat up many times by his unit and was ostracized by everybody, just seen as an outcast. But he, he held to his conviction. And it was unconventional what he was doing. 
Nobody could understand Desmond Doss and his unique stance and why he would stand for something like that and when he could just simply take up a rifle and, and stop this nonsense, but he just held to it. Orders came down from the Brigadier General that said, he's actually protected by the Constitution. You must keep him there. And with that, he was shipped with his unit to Okinawa. And they came to a place called Hacksaw Ridge. And it was a treacherous cliffside that they had to climb up in order to engage in a fight with the Japanese army. And even just to get up the side of the mountain was difficult enough because it was by a long climb of a rope with no way to protect themselves but to simply just get up the wall as fast as they could. And we had, we had lost many skirmishes there up to this point because of that disadvantage. But this day, Desmond Doss and his unit made it over that ridge only to find so much death and carnage and so many injured laying up there on their last breath. And that's when Desmond went to work to try to find as many as he could to help put them back together, to repair them. As his men around him shot their guns and fired as many of the enemy as they could. But they were so overwhelmed by the sheer numbers of the Japanese soldiers. And they, we were also had cover fire coming from the ships, our Navy ships, off the shore, but it just wasn't doing the trick. And so finally, it looked like they had made some progress. They had been fighting all through this day, and finally the night came where our men found foxholes, and they get bunched up there and just hoped for at least a little rest for that night, thinking that they were still facing a daunting task of taking Hacksaw Ridge. And Desmond had, had done a lot of work that day, putting men, repairing men, and helping putting them back together. They woke up the next morning to these loud screams and cries, and as they looked up out of their foxholes, they saw a number of, of soldiers from the Japanese army that was just overwhelming, and they had to sound retreat. And that's when they headed back for that cliff wall to get down that rope as quickly as possible and try to just survive the event. And as they were running and as they were retreating, men were falling uh, uh, by bullets, and Desmond was trying to help as many as he could and, and try not to get shot himself. And as he would grab one here and, and give him a shot of morphine and try to tie up, uh, put a tourniquet on a guy's leg that was bleeding or arm, and then he would run to the next guy. And it was just overwhelming. And finally, his unit had made it over. Those who had survived made it over and got, were getting down that rope as quickly as possible. And they got down to their tents down below and they're trying to account for everybody and found out that most of their men and their unit were still up on that hill. And one of those men was Desmond Doss, who kept working, who kept finding injured soldiers, crawling on his belly, doing whatever he could to stay out of the firing range of the Japanese soldiers and, and trying to fix this guy and wrapping him up. He finally came up with a system where he would drag them, staying low, staying low, drag and drag all the way to the cliff edge, and he would tie a rope around them. And he had a little pulley system set up with a rope and, and, and a stump there, and he began to lower one soldier down after another. And they thought... Who in the world is up there? Nobody even knew who was up there. These two guys that were left to guard the post, they were looking up and they see the soldier being let down. So they went over and they, they got him and they, they pulled him, uh, got him into the medic tent. And sure enough, as soon as they got back, there's another soldier being let down. One after another, after another, after another, as Desmond Doss is up there fighting to save lives. All through the rest of that evening and all through that night, Soldier after soldier, injured soldier after injured soldier, even two Japanese injured soldiers let down. 
the rope. And finally, they lowered Desmond down, who was completely exhausted. He had this prayer that he would pray. After he would let one soldier down, he would be completely wiped out, his hands bleeding from the rope, covered in their blood and whatever else. He would say, God, help me just get one more. Help me just get one more. And he'd go after another one and after another one and after another one. My family, by the end, by when all was said and done, Desmond Doss let down 75 men off that hill that day. Most of them, almost all of them survived. <clears throat> no longer was he Desmond the coward. But the next day they had to go up again and face that Japanese, that mighty Japanese army, that stronghold. It was a Saturday, and he was a Seventh-day Adventist. And he said he wouldn't fight on that day because that was his Sabbath. And his commanding officer told him, Desmond, if you don't go up there, they're not going either. Because all of these men are now following you. The same ones that were beating you up, the same ones that were ridiculing you, are now following you. And Desmond had a little quick prayer service with God. And they went up that mountain. They took Hacksaw Ridge that day. The generous soul doesn't know how to quit. The generous soul just keeps giving. It just keeps giving. It just keeps giving. It just keeps giving. And the more they give, the more that come to them. And the more they give, the more that come to them. The more they give, the more that come to them. And you will be established by generosity, and you'll never run dry by being generous. Your whole life, in every way, will be enriched by your generosity. Desmond Doss lived to be an old man. In 2006, he finally went home to be with the Lord at the age of 87 years old. He's the first conscious, conscientious objector to be awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, became one of the greatest heroes in American history. His fighting, his way was unconventional. God's wisdom is unconventional. It's not like our ways. He says, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But if you'll choose to believe him and trust him, you don't necessarily need to understand it. Just believe him and watch what his unconventional wisdom will produce in your life and how that will help many others in their lives as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great day. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you freely give this wisdom to us. God, help us to take these things that we've learned today into our own lives, Lord, and to, to live out their experience. Thank you that you, knows, you know ways that we don't know, and, 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 and Lord, you see ways we don't see. You have understanding, Lord, that yet is not revealed to us, but we know that by faith we can have access to it. All the ways of God. You're not hiding them from us. You want them to be activated and seen in our lives. But Lord, you said, if you ask for wisdom, ask in faith. Believe. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So today, Lord, we choose to believe you. Whatever difficulty, whatever situation you're facing right now, where you need God's wisdom, just thank him for it right now. Just say, Lord, thank you for wisdom. Thank you for wisdom for this relationship. Thank you for wisdom for my job. 
thank you for wisdom and helping me with this thing or that thing. Whatever it might be, just thank him for it. Thank you, God, for wisdom. Thank you, Lord, right now. You're a very present help in time of trouble. And you're with these people. You have solutions for all of us. There are answers. For every conceivable question by man, there is an answer from God. And I thank you, Lord, for providing wisdom for them and help for their situation. And Lord, that your people would be strong. They would finish this year strong. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Thank you for rest for those that are weary, Lord, for strength for those who are weak. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you that love and grace and peace would abound to them and their families, their homes, their bodies, their minds, their spirits in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this beautiful gospel that has come to us. Lord, that continues to ring true for every man who will believe that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. Thank you for that good news, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.